What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Two Smart Dummies podcast. As always, I'm your host, Marcus. And I'm your host, B. Reed. Beatty, what's up, man? Been a while since we've been around. What's going on? A long break, but somehow it feels so much shorter. <laughs> it does, <laughs> and I cannot imagine why. Uh, it's almost like no time has passed at all. So, um, Man, so since we've been gone... Uh, we've had an entire different country win a championship. Um, we had, so I know what you really want to talk about is the women's world cup. We had a riveting game against Spain this morning. Exciting. Um, the college world series, uh, game one finals happening tonight. I know that's a, you're a big fan of that. You got Michigan versus, uh, Vanderbilt. I don't even know why uh, I'm talking to you while that's going on. Yeah. You know, thank you for taking the time. Um, you're not you know, I, important. We're, we're we're rooting for the SEC. Uh, Never, you know, so. ever in life. Well, uh, sounds like a hater to me, but <laughs> you know, here we are. So, we are in the last little stretch of uh, a slow sports cycle. Uh, we we got about a month left, um, unless you know you have no life like you do. Like you don't, uh, because don't do you watch it. the big three. Don't disrespect the big three, baby. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, you like watching Ricky Davis and uh, Eddie uh, Curry. Eddie Curry. <laughs> uh, you know, cats that have long since been out of the NBA. I'm, surp- uh, I'm, I'm really surprised that you wouldn't even give it a peek because Joe Johnson's in there. And Joe Johnson is, was killing this Sunday. Like, Joe Johnson was like, 26 and 17 with like six assists <laughs> and he goes yeah 50. joe johnson was in the league two years ago of course he's gonna be doing that that's why it's entertaining <laughs> that's why i Man, love it <laughs> i can't do it I, I i love basketball i love 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 basketball but two things i can't stand college basketball and piss poor old men trying to play rec league basketball i can't do, do it do you have dvr i do okay youtube tv baby well whatever Unlimited. whatever you use and you can record, rewind, and fast forward through things that you don't like. <laughs> the big three is perfect. Because you don't want to watch every team. But there are some teams that are really fun to watch. But the fact that they do it all on two days now, then if you don't record it, you would have to sit through those games. But the beauty of I can just record it and then watch it when I'm bored. And it's excellent. What else am I doing from June to August? Nothing. It I mean, costs me fair. nothing to support Ice Cube. Think about that, and, Marcus. And all it does is rain in, in Arkansas, apparently. Did you move to Seattle? <laughs> nah, but it's flooding everywhere. It's been raining since, like, February. Yeah. I, I uh, So I guess, you know, unless you're in a sunny state like me, uh, you probably don't have anything better to do. Unless it's, uh, like, 111 degrees and humid outside, I would still do the same thing. Oh, God. <laughs> It's uh, it's been in the hundreds here, and it's gonna be in the hundreds from now till November, and I just um, I'm already losing the will to live, so. So is that uh, much better? You know what? I but y'all y'all, Arkansas gets the seventy degree heat in the in the summertime. It's in the eighties. Yeah, it's wet, but look, man, you don't have to deal with one hundred eleven degrees or one hundred twenty degrees. Nah, you're just anxious to get back to that Phoenix Suns basketball. You know, 
The Suns are an absolute mess. I was actually speaking with a, a Suns fan earlier today, and the boy was just pissed off. <laughs> uh, and I, I didn't really know if I should just hug him or or figure out a way to console him because the, the Suns fans are beaten out here. They they are beaten down. They're like they're like Anne Frank. Ah, maybe that's a little <laughs> yeah, extreme. A, little, a bit a bit much. A bit much. <laughs> they're just ready for the world to end. Uh, they they write their stories. They write their articles. Their blogs and. They call for the firing of uh, Robert Sarver, but what's funny is Which there's a team the in owner, Spain. Right? He is. There's a team in Spain, a soccer team, I believe it's Spain. Robert Sarver also owns them, and their fans too hate Robert Sarver. So he's got he's a he's hated worldwide, world by a select group of people. Well, that's because Sarver is doing the old Donald Sterling approach, in which I'm I'm hoping Adam Silver will snuff this out. Because he's all about making the game better, but I feel like Sarver's just running this team for profit, and he's he's gotten rid of a lot of these owners that were doing that, like the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Donald Sterling's out of there. He's gotten rid of a lot of bad owners. I mean, the Orlando Magic are, are even getting better, but Orlando Magic was always willing to pay. It's just people aren't going there. But the way Sarver runs this team, he runs this team like it's for profit. None of his moves make any sense. Unless he's just trying to make a profit. Because none of them look like winning moves. Going to trade for Tyler Johnson and getting rid of Ryan Anderson. That's just the way to stay above the cap floor. Because there's a cap floor. That's why he makes those moves in February. Because you just have to, just like you have to be below the luxury tax by the end of the season. You also have to be above the cap floor. What's the point of having nine small forwards that none of them can shoot? <laughs> and Devin Booker and no point guard for like six years straight. It's not even looking like he's trying to win, man. It's, it's kind of embarrassing to the NBA. And then you have the audacity to go to the city and ask for them to put money into that stadium. And, of course, they really don't want to because the team's been asked for so, so many years. But you can't really say no because if you say no, you end up like Seattle. So you kind of you kind of hold they're holding Sarver's holding them over a barrel, which is not fair to the city, not fair to the fans. But what do you do? Yeah, I mean they're the Suns are, are are an absolute mess, and you know it just it isn't something that I mean we'll talk about their draft here in a bit, but just they they have no plan other than to be bad. And you know it's 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 funny because it started to ruin people's vision, or at least my vision, um, and other people's too. I I feel like I sound like Donald Trump, but uh, <laughs> everyone says it, so it must be true. It but be. Uh, you know, I don't really know what to make of Devin Booker. If you'd asked me last year, two years ago, I'd have been like, yeah, that dude's a franchise player. And at this point, I'm not 100% sure that he is, and it's not 100% his fault. He plays no defense. <laughs> Um, he can score with the best of them. There's no doubt about that. But I'm not sure that if he's your best player that you're ever going to be great. And I'm not sure if he's your second best player you're ever going to be great. Uh, I don't really know what to make of him now because the Suns are so bad and they've done nothing to help him as far as, you know, and you can you can say Aiton was the right move. I still think think they should have taken uh, Doncic, who, by the way, just won Rookie of the Year. Um I, I, I think they should have taken Doncic, but Aiden, that's fine. Um, the move to get Kelly Oubre, that's fine. Um, you know, but they've missed over and over and over again on, on high lottery picks. And, you know, 
they they ended up lucking into De- De- uh, Devin Booker at the 13th pick, but from Josh Jackson to um, to Dragon Bender to Marquise Chris to trading for to, to from having three point guards who are all stars, borderline all stars, or all NBA guys, and Isaiah Thomas, uh, uh, Goran Dragic, and uh, Eric Bledsoe to having no point guard for the last seven years. I mean, this Suns team has no idea what the hell it's doing. None at all. I mean, it's it's really, really bad. I mean, I guess they had that point guard log jam and said, you know what? How about we try this at small forward? Maybe it'll be better. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, I just I just really have no clue what they're doing. I just think it's a disservice to the fans in the city. But I'm done talking about that until I trash you in the draft. Let's get on this Anthony Davis trade, the big shakeup with the NBA, putting LeBron James back on top. Lakers are the odds-on favorite to win the championship. Showtime, Lakers are back. You got rid of Magic, you got better. What you think, man? Um, <laughs> I don't know what to make of what the Lakers did. Uh, I don't like it from the Lakers standpoint. If I'm a New Orleans Pelicans fan, me and the other 19 of us are thrilled. Um, because we got the entire Lakers future. We got the number one draft pick. We've got, you know, we've we've got assets. We we really are the team that if you could pick a team to run in the most desirable job, would you say it was the Pelicans? Yeah, I mean, I say I would say with the mix of young talent and assets that they have, the only team that's probably challenging right now is the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, I would if I had to pick a. If I'm not the Warriors, if I'm not a team that's contending for a championship, the team that I would want to be would be a young, up-and-coming team. I either want to be the Hawks with Trey Young, who finished second in the MVP, or the um, Pelicans, who just got arguably the best prospect since LeBron and has uh, a wealth of assets to do a lot with. And from all accounts, a very intelligent GM who has a proven track record of knowing how to win. So, yeah, it would either be the Hawks or it would be the Pelicans. I would lean the Pelicans just because of David Griffin. You know, somehow you did not mention the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, but um, I'll just assume that was a mistake on your part. Uh, That's because uh, if I had the Memphis Grizzlies, I would look and say, man, Toronto can win in Canada. Maybe I should move them back to Vancouver and we could actually win. See, that's how you get your house shot up. (laughs) Um, You know, you wouldn't dare say that thing. Four hours to your east, okay? You say some words like that around Memphis, that's it for you. Shit, I only okay? go to Memphis when I'm driving to another place, and I really don't want to do it then. They going to Dr. King your ass, <laughs> if you know what I mean. There's ways around Memphis, though. <laughs> but, you know, as long as Memphis is making smart decisions, like, you know, signing Chandler Parsons, saying, hey, we don't want Kelly Uber, we're going to keep Dylan Brooks. He's the friend future of our franchise. Why do we need Uber? We got Kyle Anderson. Slow mo, or or we could just be the Miami Heat and give everybody thirty five million dollar contracts who play the same. You know what? Let's not do this, okay? Because we, we, we don't have to though. <laughs> okay, it's time of peace. I'm just saying, um, our franchise but has you got three the, titles. The Grizzlies have none, but that's neither here nor there. Let's move forward. Yeah. <laughs> uh, see, okay. <laughs> I'm about to show up at your house, man. <laughs> Um, but look, so let's get back to the Lakers. Um, you give you give up your entire future, f- and you you don't have 
you can't you you got three players on four players on your roster right now um you don't really have a ton of flexibility as far as the cap goes you don't have any trade assets you don't have any draft capital for the next seven years lebron james is it seven years five years whatever it is lebron james 35 years old man so if you don't win a championship this year next year especially now that's wide open this year what are you going to do if you're the lakers because i mean you know you got at that point you have a 38 year old lebron james who i mean i can't imagine this dude is not going to be broken down by then just by all the miles all the minutes i mean everything that's on his body um it, it happens to everyone you know, Anthony Davis, who should be, will probably be at the tail end of his prime, coming out of his prime. Was he 26? So three years, 20. Okay. So, you know, maybe he's nah, still at the, he's, he should be fine, but we we've seen that. Day. Yeah. I was about to say. Yeah. If, if, if he's your best player, you're probably not winning a championship. You, you're a fringe playoff team if he's your best player. But and that's with Drew now, Holiday, Rondo, DeMarcus Cousins, Nikola Miritich. So if you're the Lakers, and, and this is short-sighted. I mean, the NBA changes every day. You don't. There's things you don't see coming. But if you're the Lakers, what is the avenue to get better after after this year? So I mean, we we have to start with this year. That's the problem. The problem is they they kind of set themselves up with failure um, when they when they showed themselves to be desperate and they didn't need to. They should have kind of played it cool at the trade deadline than having LeBron and Rich Paul and all these people try to force the New Orleans Pelicans' hand. And, you know, even if he went to another team at that point, you, you could still come with the offer. I think if they wouldn't have tried to strong-arm New Orleans and force their way like that, they would have had a better opportunity. I think at the trade deadline, they probably would have had a better chance of getting um, – Anthony Davis for the package that they offered because the package they offered at the state trade deadline wasn't that dissimilar to what they got. You know what I mean? It's, it's really the protections on the draft pick. So I think that move, that arrogance by Rich Paul, LeBron, Magic Johnson, I think that kind of bit them in the foot and put them in a bad situation. With that said, they had to do the move because with the amount of cap space that they had, they had to trade for a player to get them in there and then have another max contract. But this is my problem yeah, with the Lakers is that they don't pay attention to detail exactly what you were about to say. They fucked up the trade. Yeah. They didn't structure the trade correctly to even get a max contract out of that. So instead of coming to have $32 million after the trade, and all that would have ta- taken was to give up some rights to some players that wouldn't have been playing and attach them to the trade with a third team or something. They didn't do that. Now they're only going to have $23 million in cap room unless they can fix that, which I don't see how they fix that without attaching another first and making the team take those players. So now you don't have a max cap room. You only have three legit players on that team, Kuzma, AD, and LeBron. You have an injury-prone AD. Even though he's played 75 games, he's not consistent in all 75 of those games because he goes out with little knick-knack injuries. You have LeBron, who's 35, coming off a major muscle injury. You don't know if he's going to last the season. And you have $23 million to fill out at least six to seven players around him. You can count the mid-level exception with $6 million. And all you hear the Lakers talking about is no, we're trying to get to a max to get one player instead of getting three or four players. And that's my problem with the Lakers. That's why I don't even think they're going to make the playoffs. It's hard for me to say they won't make the playoffs because you've got two of the best five players in the league. But, 
I don't see an avenue to be able to win a championship. That that's for sure. I just I you, you can't talk me into it right now. I mean, we're in a very wide open league now that the Warriors are, are hurt, but um, I I don't see a title team here. I just don't. Well, I mean, everyone's talking about the title, but I'm saying that people really need to pay attention. I know Vegas said they're the favorites. I know you have LeBron and AD. I know it looks shiny on the outside, but this is the same thing I was saying last year when the Lakers got LeBron. I mean, the Lakers got LeBron. At that point, they had won 37 games. You're adding him to a young core. You got Ball. You got Ingram. You got such and such. You know, it looked a lot more reasonable for them to make the playoffs last year. And I was still saying they don't have any shooters. They don't play any defense. Now, yeah, if LeBron plays, they may make the playoffs, but they finished at 37 games. They were like 10 games out if they win the majority of those games. But that means letting no letdowns. And before LeBron got hurt, they were having letdowns. They missed, what, 15 games in that stretch? So they mm, – uh, Yeah. I believe it was 15 games. They missed the playoffs by like 10 games. So he would have had to win 10 of those 15 games. Can he do it? Yes. Have they shown that he could? they could do it before or after he came back? No, they did not. They didn't go on no significant win streak like that. So now you put AD together with LeBron, and neither one of them has shown in the West that they can dominate. Now, LeBron dominated the East, but they haven't dominated the West. And if you look at the Western Conference – I'm trying to. I'm struggling to see how they make the playoffs. I mean, okay, you say Golden State's down. Do you think Golden State's gonna, even with their system and the players that they have in place, you think they're winning less than 48 games? I mean, honestly, no. Well, uh, I do. I I don't think they're winning less than 48 games, and I think Clay will be back by January or February if they can salvage and sign a Cousins. But that system is built. Even with with because they still got Curry, they got Draymond Green, and they got they went and drafted some shooters to put around them. They if if uh, Kevin Durant leaves, they'll have some money to go get some shooters. They can go get a JJ yeah. Redick with that money, or they can sign a Kevin Durant. You know what I mean? If they sign Kevin Durant, they're less likely to win forty eight games than if they let them leave. I would agree with that. So I mean, I just I mean I don't see Golden State winning less than forty eight, and I'm saying forty eight because forty eight wins had. Two teams or three teams tied at 48 to get in the playoffs this year. So, Golden State's the only iffy one that you're saying. So, you got Denver. Denver's going to win. You got uh, San Antonio, which we all think San Antonio is going to make it. You got Houston. Even with the issues they're going through, you know that they can win. And shit, even without Chris Paul, James Harden can show you what he can do by himself. You know what I mean? So, they're in. Then you got... uh, Mike Conley going to the Utah Jazz, which the Utah Jazz had 50 wins last year. You add Mike Conley, who his win shares is crazy because when he plays for the Memphis, they make the playoffs. When he don't, they're a lottery team. So add him to a 50-win team. (laughs) You got uh, Portland Trailblazers, who they won like 50, 52 games the past two seasons. You got the Oklahoma City Thunder. Whatever you say about them, they're 48 to 52 games a season. You got the L.A. Clippers without without Kawhi Leonard. They won 48 games. You add Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just deep. Then we say Sacramento's up and coming. They got Luke Walton. What if Christos Pazingas is healthy and they can go get another piece, which they can get a max contract? What does Dallas do? 
it's just so many teams and in then the West. You got New Orleans that's right there fighting. I mean, <laughs> you got New you know. Orleans with the same team that won 37 games when Lonzo was a rookie. And now you add, and you're adding Zion. Now you're adding Zion and Drew Holiday, one of the best two-way players in the league. And then you still got players like Frank Jackson, who's going to be a third-year player who looked like a Lou Williams-type player. You got uh, Kenrich Williams. That team is so deep and young, and we don't even know who they're going to get in free agency. Think if they fuck around and get a, a Al Horford on their team, it's a veteran leadership that does everything and make everyone mold. You know what I mean? It's just the West is so deep. There's no easy games for one, and the amount of wins you got to – it's just brutal. It's brutal on your body. LeBron learned that, and then now when you go play those Eastern Conference teams, it's a lot worse because you don't play them as much. And, you know – if you if you're a fringe if you're on the fringe of the playoffs and you got to play a team like the Phoenix Suns, Devin Booker's putting up fifty to seventy points on you the last two weeks of the season. The last two weeks so. of the season, he might give you sixty-seven. You know that's when they know they secured their lottery pick. Then they can let yeah, them loose. Let, last two weeks of the season, that boy he gonna drop between fifty and seventy on you at some point. So, uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm in agreement, man. I don't I don't see how the Lakers. I mean, if they can figure out a way to get another player, um, a Kim, I, I don't love the Kemba Walker fit. I'll be honest with you, well, I don't Kimba, love that. Kemba's not going anywhere. There's no way a player like Kemba's turning down two hundred and twenty million just to go play with LeBron. It's not happening. But if 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 they could, if you could talk me into a Kyrie Irving, I mean, yeah, that's a good team. I mean, you just put some shit around that. I'll I'll, I'll deal with that. They got to be able to get the max contract because Kyrie ain't taking less than the max. The, the first problem so, is they have to get the max contract. They don't even have it yet. They got to free up $9 million. So, there's, look, there's no point in talking about what the Lakers can and, and can't do because uh, who knows. Let's talk about Kyrie Irving. So he's out of Boston, and um, Jackie McMullen, fantastic writer from, uh, I think, the Boston Globe. I mean, she, she's excellent. One of my favorite writers every time she puts out a piece. I'm reading it. Anyway, she has come out and said that, yeah, Kyrie hated Boston. He had problems with, with Danny Ainge, um, and he didn't like the city. And by all accounts, he is looking to go to Brooklyn, which everyone, okay, we see that. He signed with Rock Nation. Cool. Um, we know he's not going back to Boston. But Brooklyn turns around, and they were like, well, if you can't bring KD, which reports have come out today, of course, that, well, KD's pissed at the Warriors. They're interested in going. He's still interested in going to New York or slash Brooklyn, um, which who knows what that's true if that's true or not. But if you're Brooklyn, why do you want Kyrie now? If if he can bring you Kevin Durant, then cool, I'm all for it. But if it's just Kyrie, I'd rather keep D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, and that's um, why I like that report that came out because that that shed a little bit more light. If and and it's funny because. Kyrie wants to stand on his own so badly, but everything around him is saying that everyone attaches him to his relationships that he has. Because the report is that Boston only wanted, only traded for Kyrie because they thought they could get Anthony Davis with him. And now Correct. you're looking at the Brooklyn Nets saying that they only want him because he can get Kevin Durant. But you're right. Uh, if he's not bringing Kevin Durant, what's the upside of bringing Kyrie? Because I, I don't think, I mean, if you're talking about individual one-on-one playing in the park, yeah, I'll take Kyrie over D'Angelo Russell. But if you're not talking about that, I mean, D'Lo showed to be more of a leader than Kyrie ever has. <laughs> you know what I mean? He showed to be more of an impact player than I've ever seen Kyrie 
on a team without another star. So I would rather keep D'Lo because he's a restricted free agent. He's going to be cheaper. You can match the contract. You got bird rights. A bunch of other cap flexibility things that says keep D'Lo. But if, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't know. I just. And for me, like, and I know this, this may be a hot take, but truly I I asked this question. Would you rather have, like, I, I would say that we've seen the best of Kyrie. I agree. And he's injury. Kyrie is who he is. He's injury prone, but also, I mean, he's 27, 26, 27. We've we've seen him. We've seen what Kyrie's going to be. D'Angelo Russell's twenty two. And we saw. Uh, I we've mean, seen how Kyrie at reacts when things aren't perfect. I mean, he's correct. a diva now. And he just he just came from a young team, and you've got a lot of young talent. It, like you said, if unless if I'm the Nets and Kevin Durant's not coming, I say you know what. We appreciate it, Kyrie, but this ain't this ain't gonna work for us. Well, shit. Even um, now, if you get Kyrie, Kevin Durant's out one year, he could literally set you back next year. I know if I get, I mean, if Kevin Durant just wants to go to New York, I don't think he's going to the Knicks. You know, I just there's nothing in me that says it's kind of like you're saying that you're not going to the Celtics because the Celtics screw over players. Then why would you go to the Knicks where you can lock yourself in and you know they're gonna make terrible moves for the next ten years? I just don't believe cool. any star player. You had Andre Iguodala come out today and say, nobody's going to the Knicks. Sorry. I think he has the ear of the streets. <laughs> so I'm going to go with that nobody's going to the Knicks. So it's a two-team race. I believe it's the Warriors and the Knicks. I mean, the Warriors and the Nets with the, uh, with the Clippers being an outside sleeper team. But, yeah, man. Uh, but, you know, the funny thing about that Kevin Durant report, it doesn't seem like it was widely pub- publicized. You notice that? Like, it was like yeah. on Bleacher Report. It was a part of an article, but it didn't really hit all the major sites, get widespread. So I thought there was something odd about that. That's why I kind of took it with a grain of salt, because it, it hit in that article where they were talking about Kyrie and KD free agency on Bleacher Report. But I really couldn't find it anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, so if you if you're Kyrie where do you go because you kind of have burned the bridge of Boston um you know if you don't take the do you go to well I think do you go to the Knicks do you go to the Lakers what I mean where do you go I mean if it's true that the Nets truly don't want him if they don't get KD then that's going to be an interesting situation I'm sure he could always go back to Boston but if you hated Boston you're not going to do that uh I doubt he goes to the Knicks uh, I think the Lakers would be the the best destination for him if the Nets don't take him. But I, I don't. I mean, I think KD would be going because he wants to play with Kyrie and he wants to be in New York. But I think Kyrie just honestly wants to play in Brooklyn. I mean, I just think he wants to play in Brooklyn. So I think it would have to be the Nets telling him no. Well, I think that's what it was. It, like the reports are that the Brook that the Nets have soured on Kyrie if he cannot bring. Kevin Durant. I, I just don't. I, mean, I just the, don't believe that because the Nets. I mean, at the end of the day, the Nets are still the Nets. You know what I mean? Well, but there, but there's really no basketball fit there. Like, if you're the Nets from a purely basketball perspective, what is bringing Kyrie? I mean, because they they sell out every night. Like, you know, still a they, better they basketball team with Kyrie and D'Lo than just with D'Lo or just Kyrie. 
see, I, I don't I don't think I agree with that. I don't think that's a that's a pair that I would want to have is D'Angelo Russell and Kyrie Irving. I just I, I I I wouldn't want that, especially since that was a position of strength for you last year when you had um, D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie. Karis LeVert and Joe Harris. I mean, those are four really good guards. I, I don't think that that's even a, a position of weakness for them. Yeah, but you're, you're kind of proving my point. You, you're in New York. You want to sell tickets. You want to get better. And your offense has proven that you can play with. But they're selling those tickets anyway. Yeah, but, I, they're, but, they're, but you still want to be better. And I think they are better with Kyrie. You're better than Kyrie than with – because you still have Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie still coming off the bench. You're just getting rid of Karis LeVert and Joe Harris. So you tell me that I'm going to start with Kyrie Irving and D'Lo. That team is already better – then uh, and you have Spencer Dinwiddie coming off the bench in a rotation. That offense is built on playing multiple guards together, and you don't have to have the big guard, the little guard, and you know D'Lo six five. They can work together because that's their style of offense. Their style of offense is just go, give me the rebound and go. So they. I don't know, man. I I'm a fan of Karis LeVert if he can stay healthy, which has been what he. It, I mean, he hasn't proven that he can do that but yet. Either way but. it go, they have to get rid of cars because they want three contracts. I mean, they want two max contracts. In order to have max contracts, you have to let go of Levert. You have to let go of Joe Harris, you know, Ed Davis. You got to let go of those players in order to have those two max. So whoever they sign, unless if they miss out on KD and Kyrie, they decide to bring the squad back. But I don't think they're going to do that. They're shooting for two max contracts. And like we said, if it comes down to Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler, I mean, I still sign D'Lo in that situation because I believe you can still sign them under bird rights. You just have to pay the tax. But it's some. I think that's what – if KD doesn't go there, it's going to be really interesting to see what the Nets do. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think Kyrie signs there either way because it's it's home for him. I think he's going home. I think he wants to play in Brooklyn. I think he wants to be closer to home. It seems like he's really really family oriented. He's really close to his dad. I think that he just wants to play in Brooklyn. And I don't think Brooklyn says no. We'll see. I think that uh, you know Brooklyn has turned out to be a smart. Front off, they have a smart front office. The owners kind of gotten the hell out of the way after the the fiasco that created the Boston Celtics. <laughs> um, but but at the end of the day, they uh, still don't bring in quality free agents. At the end of the day, you're still the New Jersey Nets, Brooklyn Nets. You're still the team that traded for Darren Williams and Stephon Marbury. That's the only way you get marquee players. I just think they don't need to be the team that makes the mistake of if KD doesn't come. Letting D'Lo go because you get Kyrie. No, you you sign. So you act like they didn't. They didn't get Jason Kidd and and and, and uh, Vince Carter. Yeah, they did. They they made a good move for those three years where they traded for him and had Kerry Kittles and uh, who else was it? Uh, Kenyon Martin. Kenyon Martin was in that team. Ken, you gonna disrespect Kendall Gill? Yes, I am. Even though he's a <laughs> North Carolina guy and probably one of the best steel guys ever in the NBA. Got the triple double with the steal, so he's a good player. But no, I'm not counting him. <laughs> um, so if you're the Boston Celtics, where do you go from here? By all accounts, you're probably going to lose Kyrie. You're most likely going to lose Al Horford. Your draft picks, your draft capital didn't really turn out to be where you wanted because the Kings decided to fuck you, and the Grizzlies lucked up and got the second pick and got a point god, self-proclaimed, <laughs> in Ja Morant. Um, what do you do if you're if you're Boston? Um, because uh, you know, I think Gordon Hayward is going to be better. It took Paul George a couple years to bounce back from this injury and and 
Gordon kind of flashed uh, towards the end of last year. He was a little bit more consistent, although he wasn't great in the playoffs. Neither was Kyrie. Um, but if, you know, I think people forget how good Gordon Hayward was. Offensively, defensively, you know, he was a great player before his injury. Um, but you, you're left with Gordon Hayward. You're left with Jason Tatum, by who really... If you want to say he didn't get better, that's a nice way of putting it, but I would say he kind of regressed last year. You've got uh, Jalen Brown, who came on strong at the end of the year, but then you've just, after that, you got Marcus Smart, nice piece. You got Rozier, who really does not want to be there if Kyrie's back, um, which, you know, he's, he does, he's, you've pissed him off. Um, but I think that that relationship is probably repairable. But where do you go from here? You traded Aaron Baines. Maybe that's not a big loss, but you know what's what's the move for Boston? Because while I think they have young assets, I don't see an avenue to a championship right now. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing. Um, sometimes you just have to be patient. You put a plan in place. You put you have a target. You target that player and you miss. Sometimes you miss. What bad teams do when they miss, they overcompensate and they do bad team things and go and sign somebody that's uh, that you think is just as good, who's never just as good, and then you just waste that money, you waste that cap flexibility, and it and it doesn't work out. So I think with Boston, I think Boston is not in a bad situation. Yes, you missed on AD. Yes, you're going to lose Kyrie, somebody you traded for, but you didn't give up much for Kyrie. You really gave up players that you weren't going to re-sign and got cap flexibility. So even if Kyrie doesn't, you know, stay and he leaves, all you really did was made yourself more cap flexible because you were Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder who just got a contract. You got you got to dump contracts for Kyrie. <laughs> so you got to steal there. You may have gave away a pick or two, but who cares? You had 30 picks. So I don't think Kyrie is a, as big of a loss as you think in grand scheme of things. He didn't work out. He stunted the growth of your young players. He's more of a cancer than he is any help. So I, I say you, you're, it's a good thing you let Kyrie go. Al Horford, great player, but he's 33 and he wants four years max contract. Well, not max. He wants four years, $28 million. Four years, $112 million. At the end of that contract, he's going to be 36, 37, making $28 million a year. And he can't even stay healthy now. You have him on a management program where he's playing like 50 to 60 games. No thank you. Let him go. Aaron Baines, really good player. I can use that $5 million elsewhere. So I think that Danny Ainge is subtly making moves to make himself more flexible because he understands how the NBA works. Um, the way he drafted shows me that there's something in the work. I don't know who's about to go, but he notices that you got Jalen Brown, Tatum, Gordon Hayward, and all those players aren't a good mix because he went he drafted Romeo Langford, Langford, who's a shooting guard, small forward, ball handler, someone who needs the ball in his hand, play pick and roll. Probably reminds me more of Paul Pierce than anybody. Um, Grant Williams, who's a powerful small forward, um, a good role glue guy. But that that tells me that somebody's out. <laughs> He's trading for somebody. And Jalen, I agree. I think they are going to make a move. Yeah, uh, Jalen Brown's the biggest piece. I I would well, I think people still love the potential of Jason Tatum. Uh, yeah, but I don't think I don't think they're trading Jason Tatum. I think that I see what you're I, saying. I think yeah. they look and they say, "Hey, Kyrie was the reason that Jason Tatum didn't take that next step." And if you yeah, look we, at that, we, and you say Kyrie was the reason and it held him back, then that gives you some flexibility to do something. Yeah, you just so now it's a, it's a choice of building around Jason Jason Tatum or or um, 
Jalen Brown, and they're, they're probably going to choose Jason Tatum. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not saying that Jalen Brown's not a good player, but Jalen Brown's mindset is he's a dominant player. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he right. and he hasn't shown that because he's not efficient. He does need his own team, but if you have to choose, I don't think Tatum and Brown play well together because Brown is an alpha, and Tatum is he's not really an alpha. He seems like he is, but he's not. So Brown can take over and dominate the ball when the ball should be in Tatum's hand. I mean, when they lost in that playoff game two years ago against the Cavs, Jalen Brown took 17 threes, you know what I mean, or something like that, something crazy. I think you get rid of Jalen Brown, or if you hold on to Jalen Brown, you're preparing to get rid of him. I still think a target for the Celtics, I think their next target is Bradley Beal because they have the best amount of assets to go after a Bradley Bill, even if you wait to the trade deadline. Because Washington, you're going to be bringing on a max contract. And Washington, they're going to eventually have to look for a- a- um, assets. They're going to have to blow that thing up. And we neither one of us believe they're going to be good next year. Towards the trade deadline, they're not going to want to pay the luxury tax because traditionally they don't want to play the luxury tax. And next year, even though John Wall is not going to play, he's going to be making like $40 million a year. You're going to have Bradley Beal making like $30 million a year. And that's just not sustainable. At some point, they're going to have to make a decision. And I believe they're going to get rid of Bradley Beal. And you're going to have the Celtics sitting right there with cap room and assets. Well, and unfortunately, they they have to get rid of Bradley Beal if they're getting rid of people because no one's taking that John Wall contract. No, especially one. not after the I mean, rupture that, of Achilles. Yeah, that, I mean that that you we can talk about Chris Paul's contract, but those two, well, that Chris Paul contract might be worse. But they're both bad, real bad. I mean, you're talking about two guys. I mean, Chris Paul's going to be 37 with a 43 million dollar contract, and you look at John Wall, who's injury prone as is, coming off a torn Achilles, who is just beginning his four-year extension next year. So you got to pay this cat for four years, upwards of 30 and mid $40 million for these I'm pretty four sure years. he's in the 40s because he, he was the highest pay. It was him and Harden. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, so, but what, what would you rather be, right? It's like, okay, well, I can see what Houston was doing. They were gunning for a championship. Fine, whatever. You can talk me into that, but... If you're Washington, you are fucked. <laughs> because you know the shitty part no about Washington? They had a trade on the table. They almost moved that contract to uh, Miami because he didn't go out with a ruptured Achilles. He went out with like a foot injury or a heel injury yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. And his fool fell in the bathtub or probably dancing or some shit and ruptured his Achilles at home. But at that point, he they had a trade in place with Miami to get rid of that John Wall contract. That's bad, man. That is, ugh. So, but yeah, so they're, they're unfortunately, the only way that they can get better is by moving that Beal contract, but, and I think, I, or is moving Bradley Beal. I think but, the uh, Boston Celtics are going to be prime position. And I sign up for a, a Beal, Gordon Hayward, uh, Jason Tatum. If they can trade for one of these centers, they're talking about Clint Capella or Steven Adams and sign Terry Rozier. I mean, that's a, and then you got the young rookie, Romeo Langford, who was a, Top five prospect hurt his thumb, so he didn't shoot as well. But everything you you can see is he was a really good player. You got Marcus Smart, maybe resign Marcus Morris. That's a legit. That's a legit team. Well, and the thing is, the NBA is completely wide open this year. It just is. I don't. You and I both. You know, I don't. I don't think Toronto's really a contender. 
next year. I mean, okay, if Kawhi comes back, they're a contender, obviously. Yeah. He is that good. But I don't think that they're I, – I really don't – I think this was the, the year for them to win the championship. Um, I don't know that they're title contenders next year. Um, I, Philly, uh, depending on what they do, could be better. Um, you know, they've got some contracts that are coming up with J.J. Reddick, Tobias Harris, and Jimmy Butler. So we'll have to see what they do. But, I mean, by all accounts, it could be just a wide-open East, just like it is in the West. And the, the East is not nearly as deep. So Boston, does they while they don't have draft capital, they do have tradable assets. Well, they, so they I guess that is the They have draft capital. It's just not as luxurious as it was before. Before it was more— Well, everything hinges on the Memphis pick. Yeah, but, I mean, they still have multiple picks. I mean, at the end of the day, you got Mike Conley for two late-round picks. So just having multiple picks puts you in a situation where you can get talent. So they have capital. They have young players. They don't need any of their picks. They're not in a situation with the Lakers. They're still assets. It's just not—the assets aren't as strong if those picks aren't lottery. You know, it, it, it changes what you can get. But at the point where they're going to be, I mean, at the point where the Wizards are trading with a team like the Wizards, like what are you bidding against? There's not a lot of teams that can even afford to bring on Bradley Beal's contract, for one. And then if they do, then you're looking at uh, uh, your, your primary competition is going to be New Orleans, which they have a ton of assets. You know what I mean? But if, I, if you're right. offering me Jalen Brown, you know, and a couple of picks and maybe, shit, Marcus Morris or something, you know what I mean? It's, it's competitive where you can compete for assets as opposed to not having any assets to trade and being stuck with what you have. So that's why I'm saying cap flexibility for them. That's why I think um, Horford, getting rid of Horford, letting Kyrie walk, and just standing still. Don't go out and reach for anybody. If you get a Steven Adams, but- that's cool, but – but if you're Boston, you have to – the only way that you're going to be able to do this is through trades because you're not a free agent destination because people saw how you treated Isaiah Thomas and plenty of players have come out and said, yeah, that was fucked up. And I don't think people are – players are willingly going to go there after that fiasco. But, um, but you know what? It, you it know. may not be a totally bad thing because you look at Pop. Pop may not be good with Pop's system doesn't work with every star. Like you throw Kyrie in San Antonio and he's not gonna like it there either. And we both think Correct. think Brad Stevens is similar to Pop. So maybe it's a good thing that they can't get these big stars because that's not what Brad Stevens' system is built around. It's a system. He needs really good players that play within the system. We both agree that they were a lot better without Kyrie last year than they were with Kyrie this year. So you have essentially the same talent. You just add it like a draft pick and maybe a healthier Gordon Hayward. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think I think really the key to unlocking Boston's potential is Gordon Hayward, if he can get back to form, because you can run the offense through Gordon Hayward. He's a really good defender when healthy, and he's a really good playmaker, and he can create his own shot. I mean, Gordon Hayward was really, really good pre-injury. Um, if he if he can come back and, and kind of start to, to to get back to where he was, you're still you, with him, Tatum, and as some as you mentioned, some of the guys if they can bring him back, that's still a good team. And and they're talking about going after players like Clint Capella. I think that's out now because uh, now that the Warriors are injured, I think that the Houston Rockets are just going to run it back and take their chances as they should. But a player like Stephen Adams, what if the Boston Celtics can pull off something like bringing in Stephen Adams and Dennis Schroeder? For whoever they can send to them. You know what I mean? Uh, Oklahoma City needs to shake things up. They don't need Steven Adams. So if they can, and everything says that Boston Celtics are really interested in a Steven Adams. So if 
I don't know, they can trade Jalen Brown and Romeo Langford and Robert Williams to the OKC Thunder to get a Steven Adams. I mean, that's a good team. It's, it'll be a good move for both. Boston has the type of assets that Oklahoma City needs, and Steven Adams is a player that would fit very, very well in Boston. I don't know that I'm willing to pay him $25 million a year, but, yeah, I, I agree with and you. At this point, he's already um, getting paid it, so, you know, <laughs> what can you do? So let's talk a little bit about um, the draft. Uh, you had some teams that did some good things, and we don't need to touch on the Suns again because they're just not a good team. Uh, but all, all you I need to know that they... is that the Suns were the most terrible team in the draft. Correct. Um, they did some things that just were complete head scratchers. But, um, you know, I have some agreeances and disagreeances. Uh, I like what the Grizzlies did. Um, you like just that they got Ja. And I think they just fell um, yeah. in the jaw, and I don't think jaw works with Memphis. But I like jaw, not well, Memphis taking jaw. Well, this isn't the same team that that it was. I mean, you're bringing in a completely different coaching staff. Or you're bringing in a guy who's been around player development what for is this, the your, majority of his career. Your third coach in three years. Yeah, I mean, now that's a fact. Yeah, that's why I don't like uh, him going there. You know, but you've got a front office who seems to have, they they maximize what they could from Mike Conley. Um, you know, getting two draft picks back for that, but uh, two two a team that we we both agree did really well is the um, San Antonio Spurs, the Atlanta Hawks, and the New Orleans Pel- New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah, man, uh, I like San Antonio just because. I mean, it's hard not to like San Antonio. Every player you get, you just assume that they're gonna make them good. But <laughs> the the dude they got was a Keldon Johnson. Mm-hmm. He looks like a San Antonio player. Like if I looked and said. Who would he be good with? San Antonio, man. He's a, a spot-up knockdown shooter. He has a very basic game. It looks similar to Kawhi. No, he's not going to be Kawhi Leonard, but the way he plays offense, his game looks very similar to Kawhi. He's a development player that, that was a high recruit coming from Kentucky. I love that. I love what New Orleans has done all offseason, but especially taking the fourth pick because why do you need the fourth pick with the amount of talent you got and the way the draft pool is? You trade back, you get the eighth pick, the 17th pick, and you unload a bad contract to free up cap space. Man, David Griffith is killing it this offseason. And I love the Jackson Hayes pick. I really like that kid off of potential. You put him with Lonzo and Zion and just put them, let them go, run the court. Uh, yeah, I like that. And then the Atlanta Hawks, I mean, even though they traded up, they traded up to get some stability, some defense. They have a very, very powerful offensive team. So you go get a young, defensive-minded, mature player in DeAndre Hunter, who was the ACC Player of the Year. You put him on that Hawks team that is very potent, and you still get a top prospect in Cam Reddish at 10. Yeah, I really like what those three teams did in the draft. But add one more. I really like what Golden State did in the draft, too. I see a lot of scouts kind of shitting on Jordan Poole, but I really don't know why. I mean, he was in a Michigan system, which all those players that come from Michigan, they have really transitioned to the NBA well, which I think... You look at it, go, Trey Burke, Karis LeVert. Uh, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. Tim Hardaway Jr. Yeah, they've yeah. all transitioned their game very well to the NBA, and I think that's part of the reason why Beeline got the head coaching job at the Cavs. This is a tough player. He's a knockdown shooter. He can create his own shot. He can handle the ball very well, and he's not afraid to take any shot. I mean, he was just playing in the championship uh, two years ago 
off an incredible run, and he was part of that. So because he played another year in college, these kids are getting punished for playing another year. But, yeah, I take Jordan Poole. You put him in the Golden State system, which is known to develop players. So you take a highly talented player who played for a good program under a good coach that can shoot, and you put him with Steve Kerr, yeah, I'll sign up for that. Then you put uh, uh, Pascal, uh, a player that looks a lot like Draymond Green, comes from Villanova. Uh, a, a top, pro- not a top prospect, but you know, a well-developed player coming from a program that's developed players and put players in the NBA. Then that guy, uh, Allen, I can't pronounce his last name. It's like Somalic, who they swindled the whole league in. He was a 17-year-old player who's been playing on their G League all last year. So he has a full year in their system. He's like 6'9". He has a three-point jumper, and he attacks the basket very well. And he's only 17. So I think they had a really, really good draft class. It was very subtle. But I, I really like what the Golden State Warriors did also. Yeah, I mean, that Golden State is always ahead of the curve. I mean, you, we talk about San Antonio. I mean, look, these teams don't luck into championships. They're a dynasty for a reason because they have scouting departments that are top-notch. They, you know, they, they, they know what to look for. They know what works. They, and that's part of the reason that Atlanta is starting to – build that same type of system their gm was the assistant gm in golden state he knows what to look for and and how to build this thing from the ground up and you look at that team they put together and the talent that they have i wasn't a fan of of trading for uh trey young over luka Doncic, but um you know you and i kind of touched on that that you know if they turned while I think Doncic may be the better player, but if they turn Doncic into Trey Young, who is a really good player and a runner-up for Rookie of the Year, and you know Romeo Langford or, or not Romeo yeah, Langford or uh, DeAndre Hunter and um, Cam, Reddish. Uh, Cam Reddish turn out to be really good players, I mean three really good players or one great player, you know I think you could probably call that an even trade, and we'll, and that's to say Doncic could be great. I, I think he will be, but. Um, I like what the Hawks are doing, and they they are really building a nice team that's going to be fun to watch next year. And it's really about just knowing yourself and knowing your system and being confident in your system because I don't think trading up for DeAndre Hunter is the best move for, like, most teams. But if you're confident in your system and you know what your team needs, trading up for Hunter doesn't look good on paper because you have John Collins at the four, you know what I mean, and Hunter doesn't play the three. And even if he does play a three, he projects to be a really good three and D player. But that's some that's a team that really respects that glue guy that can come in there and get it done. It does the ugly work that can knock down a three-pointer, that can really bring everything together like a Draymond Green. Because you get Cam Reddish at 10, and I fully believe that Cam Reddish probably will end up starting, and Hunter will probably come off the bench. But he's going to add a lot of value coming off the bench. So can you imagine a guy you traded up for and get and you get the fourth pick will come off the bench to the number 10 pick? But Cam Reddish is more talented. I would agree with that. So I, I, I just yeah. really like what they're doing. Lloyd Pierce is a really good coach. He uses players. He, put them, he puts them in really good positions to succeed. Um, they all play really hard for him. So I, I like these two draft picks. I like where they fit. I like where this team is. Um, I wouldn't have been mad if they would have took Jackson Hayes. So I, I would say that they really didn't have to trade up. I can see why because they're already young. Because I think they would have got Jackson Hayes and uh, – Cam Reddish, we would be saying the same thing because they, they're kind of light at center. They're playing uh, – what's old boy? 
Dwayne they Dedman. Dwayne Dedman and Alex Lynn. Okay, give me an Alex Hayes to go with John Collins and Cam Reddish. Either way it go, they were going to fall into something, and that was all because of that pick. So even though Doncic got rookie of the year, I got Trey Young, who got second in the rookie of the year voting, and I had some options this year's draft. Yeah, I mean, I, I like what Atlanta's doing. I really do. I think that, you know, kind of like Sacramento in the West, um, who we both think is going to be formidable if they keep going the way that they're going um, in the future. I, I think that uh, Atlanta is built. I'm not saying they're title contenders, but they're definitely building a quality team, which you couldn't really say that about Atlanta, I don't know, when they started this rebuild. So um, I, I like what they've done. Um, Who didn't you like? Anything else before we get out of here? No, nah, I wonder what 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 teams. Give me two teams that you didn't like their draft. Well, I mean, we talked about one. The Phoenix Suns, I just thought, were awful. Yeah. That I, you know, to give away T.J. Warren and attach a thirty-second pick for it to overdraft draft uh, Cam Johnson at eleven. For, first of all, you traded back from six to eleven to grab Cam Johnson, which, you know, if you're a, a point guard starving team and Kobe White sitting there, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck are you <laughs> doing? Um, you know, and and then to, 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 to and it's not that Cam Johnson's a bad player because he's a knockdown shooter, but he's older with an injury history. And by all accounts, the guy would have been there at 25. It's a lot would've like been Justin there at Jackson who couldn't even touch the court this year or last yeah, year. Right? I mean, you know, it's just whatever the Suns are doing, it's not good. And we talked about it earlier. The Suns are not a good organization. So, and the, and the, it doesn't look like they have any interest in being a good <laughs> organization. So, um, but didn't like that at all. Um, I did not like. Um, uh, there was one that slipped in my mind now. Cleveland taking Garland. Oh, Cleveland taking Garland. Um, you know, you and I kind of have different opinions on Garland, but I think you know if you're trying to recreate what Portland is doing. Portland kind of caught lightning in a bottle, but it still has not worked, um, you know, as far as a championship goes. And, and I look, I like sex and coming out of college now that I watch them and, and point guards are hard to judge, you know, their first few years. Uh, but there were times that last year where he was really good. And there was times last year when he was God awful. Um, so to draft Garland right there, I, I don't know. I, I think that he, he could be a good player. Um, but I, I don't love the fit there. Yeah, um, it, it it always catches the eye when you draft one player and then you turn around and draft the, the player in the same position the very next draft. My position on that, though, is kind of like Portland Portland Trailblazers in 84 draft was thinking like that. Hey, I already got Clyde Drexler, so I'm not going to get this kid named Jordan. I'm going to go for a position of need. I think whenever you're that high in the draft, if you're a top 10, you have to just go for the top talent on the board. And by all accounts, Garland is a knockdown shooter. Now, the, he was a five-star prospect. He was the best point guard coming out of college by all accounts. Everyone thought he was the best point guard over Kobe White um, before Ja really hit. He was supposed to be the number one point guard in the draft. He hurts his MCL after five games, but even then he was lighting it up. They say he can shoot from anywhere. He can create his own shot. He can do everything. They say B-line, that's, that's B-line's offense. We just talked about it. You need a knockdown shooter. You need multiple knockdown shooters. And said B-line went to a workout, and this kid hit like he didn't miss a shot for six minutes straight, and he was shooting like 30-footers like Damian Lillard. 
So if you think he has the potential to be the next Damian Lillard, you can't not take him if that's the – and we've already talked about what we thought about the rest of these players on the board. If you looked at him you said, I think he's a star, then it doesn't matter if you have Sexton on the bench. It's your job. It's the coach's job to figure out how to use them together and what to do. I like Sexton. I think that Sexton didn't know how to play basketball, which sounds crazy for a player that got drafted. I think he's just always been so much better than everybody else, even at Alabama that he didn't have to play real basketball. It was just give me the ball, get out the way. I think he had to learn how to play basketball this year. He improved his jumper. Everyone said that he couldn't shoot. He became a thirty, I mean, a 40% three-point shooter, which there's players that have been in the NBA for 10 years and still can't shoot. So I respect that from that kid. I think he'll always have a place, even if it's coming off the bench. So I like the selection for Garland, of Garland. I think they could probably play together if they play fast enough. If not, you can bring Sexton off the bench because Garland's a better distributor, and you can have Sexton be just your scorer off the bench, kind of like a Lou Williams. There's value for that in the game, and I love the Kevin Porter pick. I know everyone talks about his character and all that, but, man, at 32, you can't beat getting a talent like Kevin Porter. That kid looks like a star. He has some issues off the court. Um, He's young. But, man, he has the swagger. He has the game. He can get his shot at any point in time. He has that James Harden step back. He has everything that I like in a player. So I think that that could be something big for the Cavs. I didn't really like the shooter that they got. Uh, I just I never, uh, I just don't like that style of player. I, I could be wrong, but I wouldn't have drafted him like where they drafted him. You could get a player like that in the second round all day. Uh I also don't like what the Washington Wizards did drafting uh, that Japanese cat, uh, Rui, whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, every time he spoke, it just threw me off. I was so confused because I've never really seen a black Japanese person before. <laughs> How you like but Brandon we are Clark, everywhere. but you don't like Rui? Well, because Ru- I don't like Rui at nine, Yeah. wherever the hell they draft yeah. him. That's a terrible pick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's a project player. He's 23 years old. The man, uh, I mean, he wasn't even the best player at Gonzaga. You know, I, if he turns out to be a good player, I fine. I think he was like the best player at Gonzaga. He was better than I don't Brandon know about Clark. that. Yeah, he was. As someone who's who's a a, a, a massive college basketball fan <laughs> and I watch every Gonzaga game, I'm telling you. Someone who probably watched good. three games during the season because they were on and he didn't feel like turning the TV. <laughs> That's you. Unless it was Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, you're damn right. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I didn't love that pick there either, though. Well, my pick, so I didn't like what Minnesota did. I didn't like Minnesota trading up to get Culver. I'm a Culver hater. I don't like Culver. Um, I do like the story that after the draft, he went to the gym and he shot around. Listen, I think Culver can be a good player, but from what I saw in the tournament, He's long, he's athletic, but he has real trouble getting his shot off. I think his ceiling is probably Rudy Gay, which is not terrible, but I'm not trading up to the sixth pick to draft Culver. Plus, you got Okuji, who showed that he's really good, a good defender. He can play that position. You got Kate's D.O.I., whatever his name is, that you got him for nothing last year. He's long and looks just like Culver. So why am I trading up to get another player in the same position that I already got like three players? Because I didn't even count Wiggins. I just, you're you're a point guard needy team. If you're not going to trade Teague, if you'd have got a point guard, it would have put you in a position to be able to uh, trade Teague and get that money off the books and go with Kobe White and Tyus Jones and gave you some flexibility to do something else. But 
they just continue to make the same mistakes over and over again. So I hated the Culver pick, not because Culver's bad. He might end up being good just because it doesn't fit with everything they've been doing. The next team, always on the list, every draft, P.J. Washington to the Charlotte Hornets. They're just like the Suns. They draft the same type of player every year. It's going to be a player from a top five team like the Sons of the yeah. East. They're going to be from Kentucky or North Carolina or Duke or somebody like that. They're going to be an undersized big man that did good in college. That they say is really tough and a great character guy. And go there and not be good. <laughs> I just yeah. – P.J. Washington is all right. But there's no way I take P.J. Washington if I'm the Hornets. I mean, they'd be better off taking Tyler Hero and putting him next to uh, Kimball Walker. At least that dude can shoot. If you need a Kentucky player, go with the six-six white kid that's supposed to be a pure shooter that just may have had a bad year. <laughs> I mean, I, I just don't understand. Romeo Langford's on the board at that point in time. Hell, uh, say what is say say cool Diamba whatever. At least he has potential to grow. I don't. I just don't understand what the Hornets have done. They're they're a lot like the Suns. They draft the same type of players over and over again that do not work out. Cody Zeller, Miles San, Miles uh, Bridges, <laughs> MKG. They just continue to do the same things over and over again. Yeah, I mean, and you know, they brought in a GM and Mitch Kupchak last year, uh, uh, deciding to replace. What was his name? Cho? Yeah. Richard Cho. Or I think it's Richard Cho. Rich, yeah. Rich um, Cho. Just, I don't know. But that's the thing. Rich. Rich Cho was good in Portland. Somehow he goes to Charlotte and he's terrible. Yeah. What's the common denominator? Mitch Kutchek wasn't bad in LA. Then he goes to Charlotte and he looks like he has no clue what he's doing. What's the common factor here? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Michael Jeffrey Jordan. <laughs> The dude that's on the court uh, slapping players mid-game. <laughs> yeah, I think he has a man. say in who they're drafting. Um, yeah, so a lot of great things going on uh, in, the, in the NBA as always. I mean, it's become our, our 24-7 sport. I'm curious to see where Kawhi goes. I think that if he goes to the Clippers, that's going to be a monster team. Um, I'm curious to see what actually happens with Kawhi. Um, I'm curious to see what happens with DeMarcus Cousins. I'm curious to see what the Lakers do. Um you know. I just realized in my my top eight breakdown of the West, I don't even think I mentioned the Clippers if they get Kawhi. Did I mention them? You did. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was about to say because the West is if like twelve Kawhi. deep, man. Porzingis and Doncic. Yeah. We, <laughs> if they can get another player there, I mean, Lakers aren't making yeah. the playoffs. I'm telling you that right now, June 24th, unless something crazy happens in free agency and just players like JJ Redick and you know Rondo sign for minimum then I don't see them making the playoffs. I don't think that Rondo can go back there. I mean, he kind of burnt that bridge like he tends to do by airing out all their dirty laundry. Uh, yeah, you can't tell the truth. He just told the truth. But he just told the truth about LeBron, which is a no-no. Yeah, so <laughs> he gone. Um, well, that's that's where we're at, man. We're we kicking off a, um, a couple things in the coming months. Uh, but, again, go check out some of our other podcasts on the Too Smart Network. Um you know, we are about to hit slow season here in July, some practice time maybe. Um, but Big we got training time. camp a month we'll away. We'll be doing detailed brick three matchups, letting you know who the contenders and pretenders are. Oh, <laughs> sounds awful. Uh, <laughs> uh, I tell you what, training camp get, can't get here soon enough. Yeah, this is usually uh, a rough time, man. 
Yeah, maybe we'll focus on movies or something. I don't know, hell, but we'll get there. We'll keep providing y'all some content. It's good to be back. Um, I know y'all missed the two smart dummies arguing over senseless shit all the time, so here we are. I mean, this is the time of year to break down those pointless 90 games. And we'll do it. <laughs> Player okay. comparisons, Allen Iverson, Isaiah Thomas, who's better? We'll do the the all the all top five, top ten. Actually, the if you're starting a squad of all hurt players, who are the starters and who's the bench guys? We'll do that. AD just because we can. Power forward. <laughs> so, all right, y'all. That's it. That's all. Um, we look forward to bringing you good content every week, man. We'll holler at you. Peace. Peace.